Julian Strother and Drew Timmy are both candidates to be selected in the 2023 NBA draft. We break down their draft profiles and how likely they are to leave and get drafted right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, happy Thursday to those of you listening to the show on Thursday. It is not a game day for the Zags. They did not have a game on Thursday, instead playing Saturday in Portland against the Pilots. Uh, For now, though, because we don't have a game, we're going to talk NBA draft. It's a long, long ways away from now. We are not talking about the draft until the, the draft is not happening until June, I should say, but we're talking about it a little bit early here as we have a little bit of a break from game action for the Zags. Uh, there was a couple of mailbag questions. I know Austin via Gmail kind of asked about Julian Strother's uh, NBA profile, so that was kind of part of what spurned this conversation. We're going to have a lot, and I mean a lot, more conversations about the NBA draft as we get into the offseason, April, May, June, leading up to the draft, depending on who's declared, who hasn't declared, Etc. Etc. Lots more conversation coming your way, but this is kind of a good opportunity. A little over halfway into the regular season here, and kind of getting a look at, at Strother and Timmy in particular. We're going to talk in the third segment about a handful of other guys who have NBA aspirations as well. Uh, but really, what I want to do right now, uh, starting with Julian Strother here in the first segment, we take a look at some pros in his game, some cons in his game, uh, some player comps, uh, kind of who who he most resembles in the modern NBA. Uh, and kind of where I expect his range to be in the NBA draft and the likelihood that he ends up actually declaring for the draft or potentially returning to school again, uh, as he did last season. So starting with the pros on Julian Strother, uh, they're, they're pretty obvious. They're pretty easy to see some of the pros, the reasons that NBA scouts, that analysts, that coaches uh, are, are intrigued by him. It's, it starts with the size. As it does with basically any professional athlete in any sport, your size, your your physicality, height, weight, etc., arm span, all that stuff really matters. It really does. And Strother is a plus in those categories. He's got the prototypical size uh, and strength to kind of be a, a 3 and D NBA wing. And that's kind of the way that his profile seems to, to be lining up at this point is a guy who can shoot from the outside on offense, a guy who can give you good minutes defensively. Uh, and and it's 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 a prototypical role player role for lack of a better term. And Strother fits that to a T. His three point shooting right now is is pretty clearly NBA ready. He's a plus forty percent three point shooter. I think he was thirty nine percent last year. His range very clearly extends outside the three point line. I think more than many other players in recent years, Strother is willing to. He's not just shooting with his toes right on the three point line. He can extend it out three, four, five, six, or seven feet behind the three point line if he's uh, if if that's the shot that he's got. And and he's more than willing to take those shots and more than willing to knock those shots down. He's got a fluid motion, quick release. Uh, again, NBA caliber range, those things really, really matter when looking at, uh, you know, that's his calling card as an NBA player is the outside shooting more than anything else that Julian Strother does or doesn't do 
how he shoots from beyond the arc is going to be what determines how long he stays in the NBA and really where he gets drafted and kind of how 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 the ball even gets started rolling on his professional career. So the fact that he is a good three point shooter that he can extend that range out beyond the three uh, beyond just the the edge of the three point line is a really compelling start to his profile as an NBA player. Uh, he also moves really well without the basketball. Again, we're, we're talking about Strother. He's not going to be the focal point of an NBA offense. That's just not his game, his style. Um, and, and so for for him, moving without the basketball is going to be a critical piece. And it's something that Corey Kispert kind of struggled with a little bit early in his NBA career, but got has gotten a lot better at even just here in year two. Uh, there's good analysis and kind of good good spot stuff about his ability to move without the ball and find open spots and, and kind of be in the right spot to catch the ball and shoot it. And, and Strother's already pretty good at that. He's a, he's good at moving with moving without the basketball. He's also a good catch and shoot shooter. He's not just he can shoot off the dribble. Clearly, uh, for those of us who've watched the highlight of, of Julian Strother beating BYU as many times as I have, it's at least in the 15, 20, 20 different uh, times I've watched that video. He can clearly shoot off the dribble as well. He's not just a catch and shoot three point shooter. He can he can shoot off the dribble. He can catch and shoot. He moves well without the basketball. So all of those skills really translate to a, a player who's ability to shoot from beyond the arc should translate from the college game to the NBA game pretty seamlessly. Beyond that, his floater game has developed well. We've seen him kind of work hard to be able to find ways to get into the lane, to come off screens, to get off uh, shots 8, 10, 15 feet away from the basket that he can knock down reliably. And that has been an area of his game that has grown somewhat significantly in the last couple of years. Uh, He's also strong. He's physical. He has the ability to be an impactful NBA defensive player. I'm not sure he's there yet in terms of his skills as an NBA defensive player, but that takes time. Most guys don't come into the league as good defensive players. It is very rare to find players who are good defensive players as rookies. Typically, they're generational guys. Chet Holmgren, had he played this year, probably would have lived up to that expectation. Walker Kessler, former Auburn big man who's the starting center for for Utah right now in the absence of Kelly Olenek, He is a legitimate NBA defensive player. It is rare to be that as a rookie. Strother may not be that, but the size, the strength, the athleticism that he already possesses likely paint a picture of a player who's going to be a plus on the defensive end of the floor throughout his NBA career. Looking ahead to the cons, uh, it's inconsistency. I mean, that's been the biggest con for him, not just from an NBA perspective, but for for Gonzaga fans. It's been frustrating that he has not been consistent as Gonzaga's go-to second scoring option outside of Drew Timmy. He's just not that consistent. He had an over 14 streak uh, leading into the NCAA or through part of the NCAA tournament last year. We've seen him go through some pretty horrendous shooting stretches this season. And, and that's that's going to curtail his NBA draft stock. You want guys who you who can be reliable, especially as a non, you know, as a, as a role player. You don't want a guy who's going to miss four or five threes in a row because as a role player, that's your whole game effectively like you're not going to get many more opportunities than that Uh, beyond that for Strother his ability to score around the rim has dropped he was over 65 percent in his first two seasons at Gonzaga obviously small role as a freshman and a bigger role as a sophomore he's like 66 percent on twos this year he's barely above 50 percent it's been a pretty significant drop for Julian Strother as an effective scorer around the rim he's not doing it as effectively He's not taking as many shots. Uh, the mid-range game hasn't really showed up. And so for, for NBA scouts, like you want a guy who's got a little bit more in his bag than just the three-point shooting. And Strother hasn't showed that consistently. And, and that's going to hurt his draft stock. I think, you, especially when you look at the rest of the offensive profile, it's not 
there's not a lot to it. He's not great at drawing contact and getting to the free throw line. He's a good free throw shooter, but he's not great at actually getting there. And he's a poor facilitator. I think this is probably the biggest knock on Strother right now. Currently, right now, as we're talking this season, Strother's averaging 0.7 assists per game and 1.6 turnovers per game. He's not a point guard. You're not expecting to have some elite assist to turnover ratio, but that's bad. I mean, he's not even averaging a full assist per game right now. And Gonzaga's offense has significant issues with distributing the ball and facility. Like there's, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but at the end of the day, Julian Strother is not a good passer. He has not been, uh, he has not shown the ability to be a facilitator, a distributor, a passer at the next level. It's not a super significantly important skill for what kind of role he's going to have in the NBA, but you'd like to see a guy who has NBA aspirations be better at it at the collegiate level. Beyond that, defensively, same issues that basically everybody on Gonzaga's team has on the defensive end of the floor. He's not great at navigating pick and rolls. He struggles to defend the perimeter, find shooters on the perimeter. The BYU game where Spencer Johnson seemed to have every open three-pointer. A lot of the time it was late rotations. It was guys who couldn't find shooters around the perimeter. And Strother was one of the guys who, who struggled with that. So that's going to be, if you're if you're a step behind trying to find shooters on the perimeter in the NBA, you're going to get burned badly because those guys do not miss if they have open looks at that level. Uh, the player comp that I kind of came across for Julian Strother, I did some numbers, pulled some numbers on basketball reference, kind of tried to compare guys at similar heights, similar ages, similar production levels for similar teams. Uh, and the player that kind of kept coming up on my comps was Jordan Wara. Uh, Wara played at Wara, excuse me, played at Louisville, was very good there, was the 45th pick in the NBA draft by the Milwaukee Bucks in 2020. Currently this year, he's averaging six and a half points, three and a half rebounds and shooting about 40% from deep. And a lot of that kind of feels about right. I think the range for Julian Strother right now in most mock drafts, and again, there's a lot that can happen between now and June, but the range right now has him around 35 to 50. So 45th where Noara went kind of fits. Uh, and again, a, a role player who gives you good minutes every single night, hits open threes, uh, plays good defense, or at least capable defense, grabs some rebounds, I think uh, I think is a, is a a role that could fit Julian Strother quite well. Uh, in terms of the likelihood of him returning, I have it down in my notes at about 35%. I think there's a two-thirds chance that Julian Strother is currently playing his final season in Spokane, uh, and about a 35% chance that he ends up returning and giving another go-around, doing the Corey Kispert thing and trying to improve this draft, the draft stock heading into your senior year. Well, Julian Strother remains the most likely Zag to be selected in the 2023 NBA draft, but Drew Timmy is the player most are wondering about. More on him, but first, a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your pets your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Maybe you like Gonzaga's odds to beat the spread on the road against Portland on Saturday. Maybe you like St. Mary's to beat the spread against BYU. Either way, bet comfortably on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So basketball fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
All right, segment two, still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking 2023 NBA draft profiles, the first of a handful of times we will discuss the NBA draft here on the Locked On Zags podcast. First of all, I want to thank you all for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It is everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, we talked Julian Strother in segment one. We are talking... The big fella himself, Drew Timmy, here in segment two. And quite honestly, I'm not going to share a whole lot about Drew Timmy's NBA profile that hasn't been discussed at length by many other pundits, including myself. It's pretty well known what Drew Timmy's strengths and what Drew Timmy's weaknesses are and how that impacts his ability to be a bona fide NBA player in the modern game. The pros for Drew Timmy are obvious. He is a high-level scorer on the rim. I mean a high high-level score around the rim. His footwork, his creativity, his ability to finish through contact, is it's top tier. Top tier. He's one of the best low-post finishers in all of college basketball, and he has been for three years. I mentioned the footwork, but it's worth repeating again. Some of the best footwork by low-post big men that has been seen in a really long time. Part of that is because that style of play has kind of gone out of vogue, especially in the NBA, but his footwork down low is phenomenal. His ability to draw contact and get to the free throw line, phenomenal. If you give him an inch on defense, if you you bring your arms down even a tiny bit uh, in a position that could get you called for a foul, Drew will find it. He will put his body into a position where you are making contact with him and he will get to the free throw line. His ability to do that is second to none. He is absolutely elite at that skill. Beyond that, on the defensive end, Drew has worked very hard to improve how he defends screens. His ability to get out and hedge and force the opposing guard to go all the way around him, giving the other Gonzaga defender an opportunity to get back into a defensive position. His ability to do that has improved incredibly this year. He has gotten a lot better at it. And the days of of him getting exposed defensively the way that Baylor's guards did in the 2021 National Championship, they're over. Gonzaga's struggling on defense and their pick and roll defense is bad. And some of it is on Drew Timmy. I'm not going to pretend that he's some elite defensive player, but that high screen, the high pick and roll, which was such a weakness for him early in his collegiate career, he has worked really hard to improve on that. And that is an important skill for him because it is what NBA teams utilize to get guards open against post players pretty regular. It's a, it's an extremely common offensive set in the modern NBA. Now, the cons for Drew Timmy, again, pretty well obvious. He does not have range. His range does not extend outside of 15, maybe 18 or so feet. You see him occasionally take some, you know, one-footed fadeaways and some other kind of post moves that are closer to 15, 16 feet away from the basket. But he's not a threat from three-point range. Hasn't Has continued to work very, very hard to get better as an outside shooter. And thus far in game action, it has not showed up. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that most, almost all of Gonzaga's big men who have gone into the NBA have seen their three-point percentage improve because there's more spacing in the NBA. There's more time to practice your outside shot in the NBA. Not everybody. The Memphis Grizzlies attempted to make Brandon Clark a three-point shooter. That did not work. The Indiana Pacers, or excuse me, the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, attempted to make DeMontis Sabonis a three-point shooter. That did not work. The Indiana Pacers also uh, tried briefly to make DeMontis Sabonis a three-point shooter. It did not work either. Uh, Rui Hachimura has been inconsistent, but has also been very, very good at times 
as a three-point shooter, so you kind of see the progression for him there. Will Drew Timmy turn into a better three-point shooter in the NBA? Probably better, but good? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not confident about that. That's the biggest thing that's missing for him. Beyond that, uh, the athleticism, he's more athletic than I think a lot of people give him credit for, but he's a below le- he's a below average athlete in the NBA. I don't think there's any debate about that, and that's in part because the average athlete in the NBA is extraordinarily athletic. It's really hard to be above the average line in the NBA, but Drew Timmy would be below that, and that is a factor when evaluating his NBA draft skill sets. Uh, He's also a poor free throw shooter. We mentioned his ability to get to the free throw line, which is fantastic. Doesn't help you all that much if you can't knock him down, especially in the NBA where guys have six fouls instead of five. Right now, his ability to get players in foul trouble helps Gonzaga, even if he's not actually converting the free throws, but it doesn't matter as much in the NBA. And I know scouts are going to look at his free throw shooting as an argument against his ability to improve as a three-point shooter. And to an extent, they're right. You can also look at four years of data of him attempting to improve as a three-point shooter and and not really doing so as an argument that, hey, this might just not be a part uh, of Drew's game going forward. It just might not be something he's capable of doing. And in the modern NBA, that's a significant hurdle. Beyond that, he defensively, we mentioned the hedging. Uh, he's not a rim protector, though. He's a better low-post defensive player, again, than I think he gets credit for. But in the modern NBA, he's going to struggle. He's going to struggle to actually guard low-post threats, like, like guys like Rudy Gobert and guys Yusuf Nurkic, who have their back to the basket pretty often. But he's also going to struggle to guard like, you know, the, the centers who can stretch the floor a little bit, guys like... I mean, we'll use Yusuf Nurkic again because he's been shooting more threes this year. But even, you know, guys like Anthony Davis, other three, Carl Anthony Towns, who who shoot from deep, like he's going to have to go out and guard those guys away from the rim. And that's not going to be an area of strength for him. Uh, some comps for Drew Timmy, an obvious one, as uh, Luca Garza. Luca Garza, of course, balled out at the University of Iowa as a uh, all-American caliber player, really, really talented guy, a similar kind of profile. He's a be- better outside shooter than Drew Timmy, but maybe not as skilled around the rim. Uh, he's a G League. He's going to be a G League all-star this year. He's putting up like 30 points and eight rebounds per game in the G League. Uh, he's played in 16 NBA games this year, played about eight minutes a night. So again, two-way guy, really good G League player, okay NBA player. Uh, the other comparison for Drew Timmy is Kofi Coburn, who was at Illinois, uh, went to the NBA last year, went through the NBA draft process last year, did not get drafted, played a little bit in the G League, is now playing in Japan. So that kind of paints a picture of of a career for Drew Timmy that doesn't necessarily land him as a consistent NBA player. Uh, but it could be a guy who, who plays in the G League, who has a two-way contract, who kind of does that stuff. So uh, in terms of the range for him as a draftable player, I think at this point it's there's a less than 50% chance he gets drafted. I think I'll put it that way. I think if he does get drafted, it's not going to be any higher than – the fifties between 50 and 58 or 50 and 60. I'm not sure if there's any draft picks that got removed this year, but somewhere in the last 10 picks of the NBA draft, I think there's a chance that a team, a veteran team uh, who has a two-way contract open might take a guy like that who thinks, Hey, he's good enough to help us right now in a deep bench role. uh, But we can also just kind of stash him away in the G league if necessary. I think there's a reasonable chance that a, a team might take him in the final 10 picks of the draft, but I also think it's, fairly reasonable that he ends up going undrafted and becomes a priority signee as a free agent uh, at that point. In terms of likelihood of returning, this is the question that everybody asks. And I have continued to maintain that I think it's very unlikely that Drew Timmy returns to college next year. I have put the likelihood in my notes at 20%. So I am saying that there is an 80% chance that Drew Timmy is currently playing his final season in a Gonzaga uniform. 
Well, Strother and Timmy are not the only Zags with NBA aspirations. We take a look at three other Bulldogs who could be playing in the NBA someday right after this. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're still here talking NBA draft profiles for a handful of Gonzaga Bulldogs as we are in the third week of January. Still a long time until the NBA draft, but still fun to to take an opportunity when the Zags don't have a game on the Thursday to kind of look ahead at, at where these guys kind of are right now uh, in the NBA draft process. So I think Drew Timmy and Julian Strother are the only two guys who I feel very confident are going to pursue the NBA route after this season. Uh, I, I did not include Malachi Smith and Rasir Bolton uh, in this conversation, in part because I don't think either of them are NBA players, quite honestly, uh, and in part because they're they're not part of the conversation of are they coming back or are they leaving. Both those guys, I think, are, are you know, they're out the door. They're leaving. They're going to play professionally somewhere next year. It's just very unlikely to be in the NBA. So I picked three other guys who I think – do have some level of an option. They're choosing whether they're going to come back. They're choosing whether they're going to uh, um, potentially go pro. Uh, I don't think any of these guys are going to be NBA players next year, but let's 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 go through them. Let's talk about them. We'll start here with the most likely NBA player on this roster, in my opinion, that's not Julian Strother. The most likely NBA player not named Julian Strother on the Gonzaga Bulldogs roster, and that is guard Hunter Salas. The pros for Hunter Salas, again, he is an elite, elite perimeter defensive player. The NBA, as much as people like to bag on the NBA and say, oh, it's all about scoring, it's all about shooting, it's all about that, the NBA covets high-level defensive players. They really covet guys who can lock down on the perimeter. It is a really valuable skill. Hunter Salas is that. He is an elite perimeter defensive player. His ability to navigate screens and keep opposing guards in front of him, he's as good as I've ever seen anybody in a Gonzaga uniform. He is that good at playing defense on ball. Uh, at this level. He's really, really good at it. Beyond that, the pros for him, he's a high level athlete. He's an NBA athlete. We talked about what the average athleticism is in the NBA. He's probably above that right now. And that's really impressive. Gonzaga doesn't usually get a lot of high level NBA caliber athletes in the program. Hunter Salas is that. He's an elite defensive player. He's great at navigating screens. He's a high level athlete. He's also got a very high basketball IQ. You've seen that kind of develop over time. Still makes mistakes. Young players typically do, but you can tell that he's very good at knowing when to attack with the basketball, when to pull it out, uh, and and his his IQ defensively is really really stout. The cons for Hunter Salas right now his 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 offensive game is just raw. It's underdeveloped. Part of that is just him not getting a lot of opportunities to display his offensive prowess. Uh, and you could make an argument that that's a, a maybe a poor coaching decision, or maybe it's not a poor coaching decision. It kind of depends on how Salas has been performing in other areas, uh, you know, in practice and everything, but. Right now, we haven't seen enough of his offensive game to know what that would translate like at the next level. And as much as NBA scouts do love defense, they'd like to know that you're at least going to be a factor in some capacity offensively. And up to this point, Salas hasn't proven that. He's not a consistent outside shooting threat. At this point, you can't count on him having a reliable outside shot. I think he could develop that. I don't know if he'll develop it at Gonzaga, but I do think he could develop a three-point shot. I, I think he's capable, but... NBA scouts right now would be drafting him without having any level of security in that area. He's unproven as well as a, as a, as a facilitator or a playmaker. He's not really a point guard. He's a combo guard. Gonzaga does occasionally play him as a point guard in a way. He basically just comes down the court and they get into a motion offense to get the ball to Drew Timmy. He's not like navigating pick and rolls and, and he's not playing an Andrew Nembhard role. He's not even really playing a Nolan Hickman role. 
because um, we just we haven't seen him be a distributor, a facilitator, playmaker, a guy who can go create his own shot. He just he hasn't shown that yet. Again, it might be there, but it hasn't been visible so far. He also has issues with fouling. That stuff kind of gets cleaned up in time, but just a, a, f- a few things to, to clean up on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, the verdict for me regarding Hunter Salas, uh, I think he might go through the draft process, which requires him to declare, but with the expectation that there's an 85 to 90 plus percent chance that he's back in a Gonzaga uniform next season. Next up for me is Anton Watson. And a lot of what I said about Anton Watson can apply to Hunter Salas, uh, at least in terms of his pros. Uh, Anton Watson is an elite perimeter defensive player. Now, Salas is an elite defensive player at 6'5 and 175 pounds. Watson is an elite perimeter defensive player at 6'8 and like a sturdy 210. Like he's bigger, he's stronger, he's he's very strong. Anton Watson is really strong. He's very athletic. He has a very prototypical NBA body, NBA size. He's got the size, the length, the strength, all of that stuff. He, I mean, quite simply, he looks like an NBA player. And that sounds like bad analysis, but that's what you start with. The first time you look at a guy, you have to make a determination. Does he look like he's an NBA player? And Anton Watson does. Uh, His on-ball and off-ball defense are NBA ready. He is ready to be a defensive player at the NBA level. I really believe that. Uh, If you're asking him to guard seven foot two centers, you know, like he's going to struggle with that a little bit. But as a, as a, four, even a small ball five, depending on the lineup, I think he's capable of being uh, that at the defensive level in the NBA already. Uh, He's got a high basketball IQ uh, and his skills as an offensive playmaker and a low post score have really improved. I think the offensive stuff is still not there to the extent that it needs to be. uh, And that's, that's where, why he's probably not going to be a drafted NBA player after this year, but you can see him starting to develop and grow as an NBA player or as an offensive player. uh, And that's got to be appealing to NBA scouts. The cons, again, the offensive game is raw, it's underdeveloped, and there's no outside shot. He's 6'8 without an outside shot. That That is killer. You need to, I mean, you need to be, basically you need to have an outside shot at any size. <laughs> like there's, and we, that's Drew Timmy 6'11 without an outside shot and that's causing him problems. But for Anton Watson, he's a bad outside shooter. He's a terrible free throw shooter. Like unless scouts believe that he can contribute offensively more than five feet away from the basket, his chances of being drafted in the NBA are, are really, really slim. I think there's a chance that Anton Watson does return for his fifth year. I think it's less likely. I'd put it at less than 50%. But even if he doesn't return, I'm not all that confident he'll be an NBA player, maybe a G League guy, maybe a guy who gets some looks. But unless that offense pops significantly, that's going to be a hurdle for him. Last guy I want to talk about uh, is Nolan Hickman, Gonzaga's other sophomore guard. Uh, the pros for Hickman, he's a good outside shooter, 37% from three this year, has has shown more confidence, more ability to step up and knock those shots down, can shoot off the dribble, can also catch and shoot. Uh, his PNR, his pick and roll navigation has improved. Uh, he's not Andrew Nempard yet because it's really hard to be Andrew Nempard as a, as a pick and roll navigator, but he has improved, uh, I think, the whole kind of caveat with Hickman is that he's not ready. He's not ready to be an NBA player. Neither is Hunter Salas. Um, but the the pros we're seeing are things that can continue to improve upon. And the cons we're seeing are things that could, you know, if he's able to improve on those, it could put him in a position to be an NBA player. He's not going to be one after this year. That would be very surprising to me. I'm just shocking to me, quite honestly. I think he may explore the draft process the same way that Salas did, uh, that, that Salas could. Um, but I, I don't know that he's, 
he's probably just going to get some feedback and come back again. Uh, the other pros for him, he's a good passer. He's improved significantly on limiting his turnovers, still averaging one and a half per game, but that's down significantly from what he was averaging earlier in the year. Uh, he's also proven the ability to put his head down, get to the basket and finish through contact, uh, finish over around underneath different shot blockers, a skill that's going to translate really well to the modern NBA. Uh, cons inconsistency. He's young. He's inconsistent. It's his first year as a starting point guard. Uh, we've seen that him completely disappear from games. We've seen multiple like 0 for 8, 0 for 10 games uh, shooting uh, where he's just not contributing at all as a scorer. And the defense needs work. Uh, the off-ball defense needs some work. Uh, he can get caught ball watching, let guys slip by him, score baskets easily that way. Uh, he's not super physical, so bigger guards can push him around a little bit too. So uh, some stuff to work on for Nolan Hickman. I think all three of these guys are potential NBA players. I think Salas and Hickman maybe have a better chance of being NBA players just because of their youth. Anton Watson, you know, he, he's probably about who he is right now. So that kind of hurts his his opportunities a little bit there. But that's not to say there aren't other players who could potentially be NBA players on this roster as well. Uh, ben Gregg, you never know. A big guy who plays, who hustles really aggressively and shoots well from beyond the arc. It's possible. Efton Reed is huge. He looks really, really raw right now. But when you're seven feet tall, when you're 240 pounds, when you were billed coming out of high school as a guy who can stretch the floor, anything is possible. He's still really, really young. Uh, after that, I, I'm not sure I see anything else. Dominic Harris, Braden Huff, Caden Perry. We just haven't seen enough from those guys to really know. Um, my guess is since they're not playing consistent minutes, uh, you know, who knows, Perry might be injured. But I, I'm, I'm not very confident that the Zags have any NBA players sitting on the end of their bench right now. Well, that is going to do it for me today. Uh, thank you for indulging the NBA draft talk uh, so far away from the draft. Of course, we got uh, more games coming your way. We got the Zags on Saturday. We got a full rest of the WCC slate coming your way. Hopefully the Zags have used this week to make some adjustments and get themselves right heading into uh, the rest of the conference season. Um, Check out the new Locked On College Basketball podcast if you haven't done so yet. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. You can find it on YouTube. Search Locked On College Basketball. Hit that big red subscribe button. Do it for Locked On Zags if you haven't done so yet as well. It is very much appreciated. All right, I want to thank every single one of you for listening. And, of course, as always, go Zags. <laughs>